0: All right, so we're we're diving in this week. This is a very special episode. Uh, We have five different podcasts all on this together. So we've got I'm going to list them all that I have. So we have Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. We have the Vet Tech Cafe podcast. Radio Vet Nurse podcast. Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds podcast, and Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. Which is kind of amazing that we got us all together. So. Uh, I guess I'll start with uh, Jordan and I. So Jordan um, Porter and myself, Yvonne Brandenburg, we are both RVTs um, with our VTS in small animal internal medicine, and we run the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast, and I'll um, hand it on over to uh, Radio Vet Nurse.
1: Hi, I'm Kat Robinson from Radio Vet Nurse in Australia. Um, It's great to join my fellow podcasters. Um, As Yvonne was saying earlier, or today, it's this morning for me here, it's a shame that it's not under better circumstances that we're all coming together, Um, but I think it is really important during this time of isolation that we all do connect, so thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining, by the way. Yay. <laughs> and our uh, next uh, podcast is going to be Vet Tech Cafe. Uh,
2: I'm Jeff Backus, um, CVT and RVT and VTS and ECC. And Dave Cowan is with us here today as well. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for having <laughs> us and thanks for coordinating us. This is going to be a great episode <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, I think that, that we're all excited to be a part of.
0: All right. Uh, The next podcast we have is Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds.
3: Yay. (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm Tasha McNerney, and I host the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds podcast and uh, help to run the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds Facebook group. And I'm super excited to be a part of this and talk to you guys about what's going on because I know I uh, go between being uh, very interested in it, but then also being completely terrified.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think that's what spawned this. And then um, last but definitely not least, um, we have our Two Vets Talk Pets podcast.
4: G'day, guys. Uh, we're coming from Australia. Um, I'm Dr. Lewis Kirkham and also my colleague, Dr. Robbie Anderson. Hi, guys. Hopefully give a spin on on perspective a morning, along with so... Kat from Radio yeah. Vet Nurse.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know! <laughs> it was kind of crazy coordinating everybody because I am in California, so I think mine is the earliest. It is Saturday at 4.30. Then we have East Coast, which is Saturday 7.30 at night. Yeah. And then everybody in Australia. Are you guys all in the same time zone? Close. Yeah. Close. Yeah. It's like 9.30, 10.30 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah, 9.30 Sunday. Yeah. for
4: the guys. The, the good news. R- Robbie's a copper. Robbie's reclining on his bed but the, the worry is he's in his best negligee so we're
5: a bit concerned only, only, only from the waist down so as long as the the cam's just sort of this side up we're fine um all you guys over in America you'll be happy to know the sun still comes up on Sunday too so we're good
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: hey I am pretty impressed that we were able to actually get all of us on like at the same time blows my mind yeah <laughs> especially with like busy parents and just like work Mm. and different countries like no big deal
0: Mm. and you know no big deal with everything that just kind of exploded the last two weeks
6: i know i know i heard a bunch of news today just about like my city and stuff like that that i was like what Mm. (laughs) i was gonna bail to a random island off the river (laughs) yeah So.
0: so i guess uh the reason we decided to Create kind of this this mega episode with all of us here is because the the subject that we're talking about we're we're going to be talking about COVID nineteen and kind of viruses in general and pandemics and how it affects veterinary clinics and I think the biggest biggest kind of takeaway that we've kind of caught from this talking so far is um, it's global right so we're in the United States which is a large country and then we've got Australia also a large country um and it's i th- i think it's safe to say it's hitting us all um i don't know how i think that's I don't part know of how the pandemic-y really pandemic you guys are in your areas <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, pandemic pandemic yo yeah, potato potato yo yeah, it's all um the funny thing that i was thinking about the other day is it's weird that it's the same virus that's infecting tom hanks as people in italy People from China, you know, like it's just this one thing that suddenly everyone on the planet has this risk of trying to contract, you know it's sort of sort of funny from that perspective. yeah
0: I think it's amazing how quickly it's spread everywhere, right? I think right. I think that's that's the amazing thing, and and I think that's part of the reason why we are pulling together is because it it is affecting us all, which is insane. So I think, uh, we kind of wanted to break down this episode. Um, if you guys haven't listened to the, um, Veterinary Uncharted podcast, uh, uh, Dr. Andy Rourke did an episode, which was fantastic. I know we kind of talked about it this last week, um, in our little chat group and, um, they really touched on a lot of good things, but we also thought we'd like to discuss some stuff. So, we're gonna start. I think um, talking about the vector. So, um, COVID nineteen. Um, does anybody want to take a <laughs> take a stab at this? I mean, we've got some doctors and we got some techs or nurses, depending on where you're at. Sorry, Kat. Um, <laughs> that we can we can talk about. You know, I think the biggest thing is what what clients and pet owners are talking about is, Mm -hmm. you know, how much is it affecting our pets? You know, what does it mean? What does zoonotic mean? What does reverse zoonosis mean? You know, like all of that stuff. So anybody want to take a, I'm I'm happy to kick off a little bit of that. I
4: mean, we've been talking about a fair bit on our um, two vets talk pets quite a bit um, and following closely um, the links between the potential links between uh, humans um, and their pets. Um, and at this stage, and it's really important, I think, to get it out to pet owners, that there is no um, known evidence that you can catch coronavirus or COVID-19, the human form, from your cat or your dog or your pet. Um, we do know that, um, so that, that's what's called zoonosis, where you catch something from uh, your, an animal. Uh, yes, there's the potential that started from what we think may be bats, But certainly as far as pets go, dogs and cats, there's no known, at this stage, no known um, evidence of all that that you can catch it from your pet. So that's really important. I guess the second thing is there is a condition called reverse zoonosis, and there has been sort of two cases of that that have been um, identified in Hong Kong only. Um, One was a 17-year-old Pomeranian about the 28th of February. Um, that was tested positive for COVID nineteen. It had been living with a human, um, with a human person, a human who was di- uh, had been diagnosed with COVID nineteen. Um, and over a five day period, that dog was tested and, in fact, confirmed that it had become infected uh, as a low, weak positive to human uh, COVID nineteen. Um, It's important to note the dog never showed any symptoms, it never infected a human, so there was never that zoonosis, never infected another dog, and also it never developed antibodies in the blood to the human coronavirus. So really important that, yes, that dog was shown to be infected, um, but there was no sort of further consequences and no strong immune system response by that dog um, to the human coronavirus. I guess a little bit of a, a span was thrown in the works that the, the dog eventually tested negative and was released to the owner. Um, and then, unfortunately, two days after being released to the owner, it actually died. Now, need to appreciate it's a 17 year old Pomeranian, and there could be many reasons to why it died, um, and you know, it's likely to be unrelated to being infected with the COVID-19, and unfortunately the owners would not release the dog for have a post-mortem on it to see the cause of its death. Oh. So, uh, and then, of course, it, and, um, and then gonna about March to, 19... going to go as a
5: conspiracy theory? I'm going to go as conspiracy theory there, Lewis? Yeah. You're going to, you know, <laughs> well, you're to keep it nice uh, and... Small, I thought, I thought
4: we were keeping this one a <laughs> nice tight podcast, mate. <laughs> Look, there's.
0: <laughs> there's, <laughs> a, there's a, oh, come on. Everybody loves the good
4: Well, posters. first one is that the man, man didn't land on the moon. Have we heard of that one? No, no. <laughs> oh,
5: it's not a great one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah.
4: uh, so, there is a small theory running around online that I guess if you are a particularly germophobic person, and you owned that dog, right. and it had been infected. And you got it back in your home environment. You perhaps, and you weren't perhaps uh, totally in love with the dog. That maybe you might think of a reason to um, to remove the dog from the picture. Yeah. <laughs> That's about as subtle as I can be, yeah. I think. Mm. Uh, so anyway, come back to mm. the, the facts. <laughs> what we know about Mar- about March nineteen. Uh, A two-year-old German Shepherd has now um, become also infected, uh, well, not infected, but shown that it's uh, carrying the COVID-19 virus in its nasal, uh, in its nose and in its mouth. Um, That was also a dog that is owned by, was owned by a COVID-19 infected person. Um, And that's about all we know at this stage. We're we're on, well, in Australia, we're the 22nd of March um, here. But it's really, really important, I think, that despite all this happening, you know, as far as I know, there are about, today, there are about 300,000 human cases of COVID-19 infections known that have been tested for worldwide. Um, and, uh, and there's only two dogs in the world that have come up positive and they're in, they are in Hong Kong. So really important to keep that in perspective that still there is no evidence and the, uh, the uh, WHO, the World Health Organisation, are really strong on that there is no evidence and that you should just practice normal hygiene um, around your pets where you wash your hands after patting them Uh, you wash your hands um uh, before you eat your meals um and also you know you don't sort of kiss your dog and maybe you distance yourself a little bit from your pets if you have been infected um, you know, positively infected with with COVID nineteen. So hopefully that sort of sums it up. I'm not trying to scare scaremonger, but those those reports are out there, and it's really important that we get some factual basis to to the, the some of the news that's out there.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I think for us, some of our clients have have worried. They're like, oh, but corona, like you test for corona. And I think when we're talking with our clients, um, it's it's good to remember that coronavirus id 19 it's it's because it was 2019 and there are many coronaviruses that are similar but not the same and so yes there is a coronavirus that is dog and cats but it's not the same and so i think you know when we're talking to our clients and we say oh we're going to test for coronavirus because we think your cat has fip it's a completely different coronavirus and i think that's some place where we can have that conversation with clients to help them understand that it is it's like, yes it's similar but it's not the same mm-hmm. um, and so don't go like taking your dogs and cats no to way. the it's it's, it's it's kind of like herpes bad is you happening. know
5: humans have so. herpes cats get herpes you know different herpes mm-hmm. you know it's yeah, you know, it's just a it's a it's a family of viruses that yep. um that are that are all they all kind of look the same, but they infect their own individual species <laughs> and cause their own their own signs.
1: Yeah. I've and seen discussions I think we- about the dogs. Sorry, Yvonne coming up a lot on social media from veterinary nurses in Australia wanting to know so what are we telling clients about this? And I also shared I own my own practice with my husband in Australia and I also shared the Australian Australian Veterinary Association summary that was released this week about the reverse zoonosis I shared um, on our Facebook page yesterday and I had an angry client saying I really have a problem with this statement because it's leading owners to take their pets for euthanasia and that sort of thing and I think this is a good point to mention something that will come up again and again throughout this episode which is fake news and Mm -hmm. um, finding our way through social media and I want to as a business owner and as someone who has sat down and had meetings with marketing strategists, I want to explain how people use blogs to drive traffic to their website and why that helps them. Yeah. Um, so for me, for my business, um, we have a blog and it's because the Google algorithm, when a, when someone with a dog sits down in Google's vet in this area, the Google algorithm will, will suggest a business that has an active website that has a lot of traffic going to it because that tells the Google algorithm this is a good business and this is probably the best one to recommend. So having a blog that has um, frequently updated information on your website and having lots of clicks on that blog pushes you up in the algorithm. So it's in your best interest. You want to get up the top of Google listings to drive traffic to your website. So there are people who are taking advantage of fear and cu- curiosity surrounding COVID-19 um, who are writing you know out- outlandish Stories or fake news stories that play on people's fears and insecurities. So everybody just needs to be so careful because we are in an age um, where there, there is just so much information on social media and you really, really have to look at the source um, and not get carried away. And you also have to be the person saying to your clients, just ignore all of that noise. This is the information you need to know. So I'm really glad um, we've had some clarification on the zoonosis and reverse zoonosis Um, Because there will be a lot of fearful people and a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally in Australia haven't heard uh, anything about people having pets euthanized around here, but I have seen some clickbait suggesting that. So, you know, we do have to, I think, um, remind people that just because it's formatted into a blog and it's online, it does not make it true.
4: Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're all here now and certainly in Australia, um, you know, we're not as overwhelmed perhaps as much as you guys in, in the US are. What, what are you guys finding uh, as far as mm-hmm. are people giving up their pets? Are people euthanizing their pets because of coronavirus mm-hmm. in, in the US? I've certainly haven't seen in Australia. It sounds like Kat hasn't. I don't think Robbie has either. So what are you guys finding? I mean, we're on you're on the ground. You're at the ground level. What what are the facts?
3: No, I haven't heard of that.
7: I haven't seen that happening. That That's not something that Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's something that's happening widespread. I I think there's probably a few instances of people getting misinformation that are deciding that this is what they're going to do. But on a grand scale, I don't think that's what's happening.
6: Yeah, I I think that's super important to realize, because like you said about the dog, the 17-year-old Pomeranian who died, I saw that post on Facebook today that says, dog who tested positive for coronavirus dies and like there was no other information mind you I didn't click on it because I was like okay well whatever Mm. but I'm certain that other like clients would have clicked on that and been like oh my Mm. god and then to realize that like it likely wasn't related and there that there's no way to find out now if it was related um it just gets people freaking.
2: Right right And, and to your point Kat um yesterday on Facebook I saw a post in the morning and It was, it was just a post. It wasn't an article or anything, but the the title simply was from an epidemiologist at Stanford University. And then it was a, just a, you know, like almost an op-ed type thing about, you know, uh, about this whole process. And it, it kind of made the rounds. And then I saw it again last night in the exact same post, instead of saying, from an epidemiologist at Stanford University, it said from a pulmonologist at Harvard Medical School, and it was the exact same post. And there's there's no there's no author and there's no credentials. It's just you know, and so people getting
1: clicks and follows and shares yeah, and, and 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 so, again on Facebook. Your, algor- your yeah. algorithm is favored by clicks and shares. Absolutely,
2: mm-hmm. and certainly there's a possibility that 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 one very highly trained right. and well respected. Um, you know clinician wrote this article and and it's just been kind of cut and it's been shared and and but also it is a strong possibility that somebody that has nothing to do with the medical <laughs> field has actually written this and then just put at the top you know from this kind of doctor at this well respected university and it's just taken off like wildfire and now it's mm-hmm. it's 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 different doctors from different institutions and so you know i know we talk about social media a little bit later but tell like, tell us looking at the source looking at the credentials looking at the the publisher or the site or wherever that's coming from is really really important
4: good myth one debunked perfect
0: yeah and i think i think for all of us in our different you know clinics and hospitals and businesses i think that's going to be that's going to be some of the hardest things that we're going to have to deal with um, coming up because there is so much, and especially with people now being at home, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be even yeah. worse. Um, so we, it, that's a really good reminder yeah. that we need to make sure we use reputable sources and, you know, sometimes take things with a grain of salt. Yeah.
3: I feel like if people want, like they can go to the CDC, they can go to the WHO they, if they really want to get into it.
7: I also wanted to just mention that the AVMA is putting out a lot of good content as well in response to this. And I'm sure in Australia, I don't know what you have in Australia, the the AVMA, I guess Australia Veterinary Medical Association, um, they're, they're putting out a lot of good information that I think is really helpful for hospitals to figure out exactly what we need to be doing.
0: Yeah, I was going to say where I'm at, because um, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area and <laughs> everybody's in a shelter in place right now. Um I haven't seen that, but I do, I have um, heard Mm -hmm. that some of the local shelters, because they don't have as many um, uh, volunteers that can come through, they're really struggling. So they're asking for people to be able to foster, Um, but owned pets, I haven't seen it, but we've also, um, my clinic, my hospital, because we're (laughs) 24 seven, we've really cut back on appointments and so we're doing a lot of phone triaging right now um and so that might help with that as well but i know that there's many clinics that haven't closed yet um their doors and so i think you know we're we're a little bit more ground zero-y than um i know other clinics that that they don't even live somewhere where they're we're talking about closing so i don't
6: know yeah, I see. And, and like the shelters around me now, mind you, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been to work for a couple of weeks, but I know the shelters and like rescues and stuff around us are actually doing like free adoptions just to get dogs into homes since people are home mm. right now. And that way they can close yeah. their doors and limit staff to yeah. coming in and out of the facilities. But I haven't heard anything about like the shelters becoming full or, or getting dumped on a lot.
1: So I think the example of my, my client being up in arms about don't you dare put that thing on on your, you know, Facebook page or how dare the ABA say that I think that that's probably something that's been fed into by some fake news that's getting around. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. getting clicks. So yeah, it's very good to question. Yeah, I've
6: definitely seen posts like that, but I haven't experienced yeah. it.
0: So um, one of the things we just kind of discussed is because when we originally talked about this idea, I think it was a week and a half, two weeks ago when nobody really knew as much about this disease. And so now now we're kind of in the midst of it. So definitely, you know, if you want to know more about the actual um, COVID-19, I I think we all are kind of in agreement that the CDC or the World Health Organization who, um, or your individual country, depending on where you're listening to, I, I would stick, again, use reputable sources to get your information about the, the um, you know, the, I was going to say the drug, it's not a drug, the virus and how, you know, how it's contracted because it, it is, it is changing a little bit. I feel like this entire week it's changed every day for me in a clinic. So by the time we actually air this episode, it may be a little bit different again.
6: Oh, I was gonna say I read an article from I think it was from the CDC just about like the mutation of this virus and why it's kind of doing what it's doing and that it's likely going to mutate again. Um, Because that's what they were kind of saying was that it mutated like it came from a bat mutated in order for it to transmit from human to human. um, And it's likely going to mutate again. So that way, what they're expecting it to do is to like, transmit more to like the younger people that it's not really affecting as hard as it is the immunocompromised people. Um, So I know that that is kind of like in the works right now. So I imagine that by the time we get this episode up and out, I'm sure there'll be more information on that.
4: Do you guys maybe want to go through like each, each uh, one of us just talk about our situation at our hospital at the moment, like if you're in isolation or what you're doing, because Certainly, certainly in Australia, you know, we're, we're uh, a lot, you know, maybe I don't know how many weeks behind you guys. I, I hope it's many weeks. I've got no idea though. We don't, no one knows. Yeah.
0: it's a great, um, So it'd be yeah, great, yeah,
4: like, yeah, maybe nice. if you just say, like, what area you're in, in the States a little bit, particularly for, for us Aussies, we don't, may not, I'm not very good on my States. So, um, and just, yeah, what's going on in your clinic, what you guys mm-hmm. are doing. I mean, yeah. I think uh, certainly our listeners would love to hear a bit about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um- yeah. I guess uh I guess I can start cuz I feel like I might be in the thick of it the most out of everyone. Does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yay. <laughs> so, I um so uh I work in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um we uh the beginning of the week. So, let's see. Let's do some time stamping cuz I feel like that's going to be a thing. Yeah. So it is March 21st while we're talking here in California. Um, last week, I think we were, we joked about it on the podcast. We we're like, oh, this oh, wow. coronavirus thing. Um, and then Monday, which was the 16th, um, all of a sudden on the CDC website, um, it talked about the three hot spots in the United States One, which I believe was like, uh, somewhere in New York, the other being Seattle, Mm -hmm. Washington and the other being Santa Clara County in California, which is literally 30 minutes from my house. Um, so Monday there was a massive scramble at my hospital to kind of figure out what the plan of action was going to be because we had no idea kind of where everything was headed. Um we just knew that one of our hospitals was actually in Santa Clara County um, because we have four hospitals here in the Bay Area plus some um, satellite or not satellite, but others that are related. Um, and so we knew that being in Santa Clara County, we had to figure out, you know, there are positive people around us, um, clients included, and, and how do we protect our staff and um, other clients? Um, so I feel like it was an evolving thing all this week. Whereas where Monday we were like, oh, maybe we should lighten our schedules a little bit because we have back-to-back appointments. Maybe we should look at, you know, the rest of the month and put like a half an hour between appointments so we could clean rooms. Um Tuesday it was, oh, well, now my doctor's kids are no longer in school because they're told they're not allowed to be in school. So now they have to cut back their schedule for um, for, I was going to say pet sitting for babysitting and homeschooling. Um, and so we had to cut back their schedule further. Um, Wednesday, we started asking employees, you know, the question of in the last 14 days, have you been in contact with a COVID positive person? Are you experiencing any symptoms of COVID? So fever, coughing, um, and then, uh, I believe there was also, have you traveled outside of the wow. area in 14, in the last 14 days? Um, and then Thursday it was, we started asking clients this question and we put up a tent outside and we screened them before they were allowed into a room. And then Friday, no one was allowed into the building anymore. So it, it escalated really quickly because the counties completely just like put a shelter in place as of Thursday. Um, so only, um, essential people are basically allowed outside of their house and out and about, um, and veter- veterinary medicine. Yeah, is- Yvonne,
3: maybe, can, you, can you tell us for those of us who are about to experience what a yeah. shelter in place means, or maybe who haven't, what exactly is the shelter yeah, in so place? So
0: it, it's interesting. Um, So the shelter in place was for all non-essential, um, people. So basically you're supposed to stay at home. Um, you're not supposed to go out and be social. Um, all social events over 10 people to a hundred, I don't actually know the number at the moment. I think it's over 10 people was canceled. So meetings were canceled. Um, Mm -hmm. there, when, when they kind of put the actual shelter in place and non-essentials, businesses had to close. Um, there were a lot of businesses that kind of pushed back on that and tried to stay open. Um, and so the police actually were going to businesses and telling them they had to close because they're not considered essential. Um, I have to say this is the best commute I've ever had because living in the Bay area commute is horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so it's been interesting because I, I don't, I don't think everybody understands what that means because we definitely have had clients calling saying, Mm -hmm. well, I'm off of work now. Why can't I come in? And we're like, that's, that's not the point. Um, so we've had to have frank conversations Mm -hmm. with clients about, um, you know, is it essential for your, for your pet to come in right now, which is difficult because it's internal mm-hmm. medicine and oncology and neurology and everything in my building. Oh, wow. Um, so we're like, you know, if, if we can maintain with medications you're on and this was just like a follow-up, we're probably not going to do it now. Pets that, you know, we've got IMHA, ITPs is that we need to do CBCs on.
1: Yeah.
0: We were basically just treating them as nurse appointments or tech appointments and having the pet come in. We draw blood and then we're like, bye, see you later. Um, and getting payments over the phone. Um,
4: Are the owners coming in or just the pet?
0: Uh, as of Friday, just the pet is um, allowed in the building. Um, so we're basically meeting them at the front door, doing a handoff and they go back to their car and wait. And that was as of Friday.
6: Yeah. See, it's see. It sounds like me. Um, like we're shortly behind you, but see, it's like it's a little different for me. So I live in South Carolina, but I work in Georgia. And Georgia's behind South Carolina. Like Georgia's not taking all the precautions yet that South Carolina is. So where I live. All the vet clinics in the area are doing the same thing. Drop-offs only, essential like emergencies only, and limited staff if, if these practices are still open. Um, schools are closed here. All the restaurants were closed two days ago. And then the law enforcement is also enforcing that. Um, they can only do like carry-out meals. Our beaches were actually closed wow. yesterday, so those will be closed for two months. Nobody's allowed on the beaches. That's true, yeah. Um, and then same thing, no groups over 10 are allowed in one place at one time but georgia's like i said where i work is not they're not doing that right now i think they just closed restaurants maybe yesterday um my work however is closed but my, my boss is fabulous i talk highly of him all the time and he's super concerned about all of us and so he's closed he's paying us to be closed um and he's doing telemedicine like just via email talking with other veterinarians who are still open and trying to help manage patients who need help, but without us physically being there. However, the building that I work in, in my internal medicine practice, like the rest of the building is still open. They just have cleaning protocols kind of in place after each client leaves a room. Um, so it, it's a little, it's it's weird to kind of see the flow of <laughs> <Yeah>. chaos <laughs> from one state to the next and just like kind of how everything goes. But it sounds like we're yeah, we, pretty we, close behind Yvonne. Right on the South Carolina front. And then Georgia will probably and
7: we put protocols crazy in next place week. In my, my, I guess it's not my part-time job, my, my ER clinic where, um, we're doing, we're doing the, the same thing. When, when clients arrive, we do a phone triage with them to figure out exactly what's going on. And then yeah. one of the nurses will go out, take the animal and then actually do the treatments and you know, the assessment and all that stuff. And all of that stuff is done over the phone. So no clients are allowed in the hospital ex- We've made the exception for euthanasias. With euthanasias, one person can come in. Mm. Uh, I think maybe up to two people can come in for euthanasia, but just that. So, so we're making a lot of precautions about distancing ourselves and today going out to cars to see clients wearing, you know, masks and sometimes in gowns, yeah. um, depending on the situation. It it's kind of it mm. kind of puts the owners at a little bit of a shock where they're like, oh, this is this is kind of serious. This is not just something. So that I have to distance myself, the the veterinary staff is actually distancing themselves from from us as well, um, and for the most part, you know, all of the clients have been very understanding of this is what we're doing to prevent the spread, um, and you know that our referral services, their their services are are kind of knocking down all the stuff that they're doing like you guys have been saying that they're not doing a whole lot of bringing patients in but doing a lot of telemedicine and and assessing things over the phone which i know we always say that you know we can't we can't diagnose things over the phone but at, at this wow. stage of the game it's kind of where we have to be
3: yeah and we're um similar to probably you guys on the west coast in philadelphia um my clinic i will say that I'm actually really proud of my clinic. Um, I just got done working a shift today um, in ER and I was filling in for sterilization, um, which I haven't done in a really long time. Um, I uh, got to know the difference between uh, Rochester uh, carmels and Rochester peens today, which I had not done since like tech school, so. (laughs) Um,
4: Well, that's a whole (laughs) another podcast trying to work those out. reasons
3: why you don't want your (laughs) anesthesia tech to wrap your packs. but we're all kind of chipping in because my practice, which we have about 150 staff members, so a pretty big specialty and referral practice, but we also have a GP connected to us as well. So we're, we do everything, uh, neurology, surgery, dentistry, we have all the specialists. So because I work mainly in anesthesia, um, you know, my job was safe, but I have to say that we laid off about half of our staff um, and that was a huge, huge blow. And I know a lot of people were upset about it, and there's a huge economic impact there, uh, a mental impact as well, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, but I really know that my oh, the practice owners wrestled with this for so long, and they just looked at what are essential, necessary visits that need to happen, wow. and those are the departments we're going to keep on. And if it's something that can wait for 30 days, then... We're getting we're doing temporary layoffs just to prevent the amount of people coming into the building. You know, I mean, if it's a spay or neuter, if it's a nail trim, if it's a boarding appointment, it can wait. And those clients don't have to leave their house for everything that's urgent or critical. We are still seeing all those appointments through our ER services. Our ICU is still open, etc. We're doing urgent surgeries and our anesthesia team is available for that. But same with us. We're doing all curbside check-in. We're doing telemedicine. We're rescheduling all appointments of, again, things that have been deemed that can wait at least 30 days. Um, And so I do applaud my management team for making that really difficult decision to lay people off because I know that they did it in the best interest of minimizing the risk of exposure. Yeah. And it protects your staff too. So it's, it's
6: and that's, what's important. Yeah.
2: yeah I, I think Jordan, I can relate to that too. I live in Rhode Island um, and that's where my wife who is a veterinarian uh, practices. Uh, and But I work in Massachusetts at Tufts university and um, I went on my honeymoon on March 7th. Uh, So two weeks ago today, and I think on the third or fourth day we were there, uh, I got an email that said I would be on a mandatory 14-day self-quarantine from work whenever we got back to the States. Um, And then a couple days later, my wife found out the same thing. So I actually haven't been to work, but I've been keeping up with the emails. And I know that we're doing parking lot triages only. Um, Our vet school is in terms of caseload, our ER is the busiest mm-hmm. academic ER in North America. So our hospital is always full. Um, and it sounds like it is still full. Yeah, we definitely just got win. an email today about surgeries and emergency surgeries and what surgeries can be done You know, based on our anesthesia team and our Uh, ECC team and surgery team. And so what things are allowed, what things aren't, what can be done in 24 hours or 48 hours. So uh, it's still largely Mm -hmm. a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have no idea what it'll be like. I think my quarantine is up um, a week from Tuesday. Um, What, what things will look like Um, to my knowledge. um, We have about a half dozen people that are at least on self quarantine. Um, nobody's tested positive that I'm aware of yet. And that would certainly change things, I would guess. Um, but, um, you know, I know that because we're associated with Tufts University, um, my understanding is this coming week, Tufts Medical School is coming to get our ventilators, um, to take to the medical school, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know then what that looks like for us to, to ventilate patients. I don't really have any information on that quite yet, but, um, so it sounds like day to day it's, it's evolving quite rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Especially I feel like if, if we have that relationship, like the client patient relationship, I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, discussing things. Like if you've seen them in the last couple of months and you know what's going on, I mean, I feel like it's, it is. It's something that we have to be prepared for. Is the telemedicine at the risk of um at the risk of making I, so,
1: of, of things as they are at present. I have to say, I've, I've enjoyed a couple of memes on social media about um vets and vet nurses <laughs> and techs kind of living the dream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having the the pet just dropped off.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I'm there loving go. it. <laughs> Introvert, you might. It yeah, has to be a silver <laughs> lining, I think. And
1: yeah, we're like, what do you mean? The pet's just gonna get dropped off, mm. and then we get to examine it and hold the owner.
0: Yeah, it's kind of good. <laughs> I know we listened to all sorts of like really inappropriate work music <laughs> yesterday. It was great. We're like, oh, there's cussing in this. There's no clients to come complain. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
1: jump in on that and then hand over to you to you guys if you want. So um, Robbie and Lewis are down. We're kind of the bookends of the East Coast. I'm up in far north Queensland up the very top and the guys are down in Queensland down the very bottom. I'm in a pretty regional area, but when I listened to the Uncharted episode um, that Yvonne flagged with me a week ago, I wrote a response plan for our team. And at that point in time, it's all gone really quickly here too. Like Friday week ago, I was sort of out for dinner with my husband our kids and i said i think this will be the last time we're out for a while um and we need to write a plan over the weekend and we need to start putting that into place and i felt a little bit like um i was just being a little bit too ahead of the game and i might need to really sell it to people but by monday but sunday i would written the plan sent it to all staff by monday i had to am home with my baby at the moment so I had to record a video of myself explaining it to the team and put it on our whatsapp group um, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't in any way early. It was. Um, it was all just happening really quickly. So, um, so now I think the things that we're doing have just become more and more stringent as the week goes on. We do have one confirmed case in Cairns, which is about an hour and a half from where we are, and I do have two team members who were out in Cairns last weekend. So. Um, We do think that there would be cases around here, but I just wanted to say to any Australian listeners who don't have a plan in place in their practice, and I have seen some rumblings of that, the Uncharted episode takes you through a paint-by-numbers explanation of how to write one. So just put that podcast in your ears, grab a pen and paper. You can't go wrong. Um, I also used the good old uh, Workplace Health and Safety Hierarchy of Controls, so we need to treat this like any workplace hazard. So we look at the we assess the risk and then we look at the controls that we can put in place. So the top level of that hierarchy is to eliminate the risk and eventually we will do that, I'm guessing, by closing doors. I'll be interested in Australia to know if we are essential or non-essential. Um, at this point in time I'm not sure. Maybe it will be emergency clinics that are essential and maybe GPs will be non-essential. The next step down, which is what we're working on at the moment, is substituting the hazard with a safer alternative, so the hazard being face-to-face with the clients, the alternatives being getting them to wait in the car or wait from home, which is certainly something that we're doing. Isolating the hazard from people is another measure on that level, and I'm really interested to touch on one example of that, which is the the A and B team system. Mm -hmm. Um, which maybe someone else who knows more about that can come back to. I certainly have listeners who are keen on on knowing, you know, some practices are, practices are having 18 works Monday to Wednesday, 18 works Thursday to Saturday. Um, and that way your clinic can stay open longer if you do get exposure, um, reducing the risk through engineering controls. So that's sort of the, the second tier. The third tier is yeah. reducing exposure with administrative controls. I can't express the importance of this measure this is your screening questions Um, and we did have a client this week um try to breach their isolation basically they'd come back from overseas and been told to stay at home for two weeks And it was only through our screening questions um that we were able to identify this so that is where your front line staff answering the phones be they nurses or texts or receptionists or ccrs um, they need to be saying to the client have you been exposed? Have you been feeling unwell? Have you been overseas? We can still help you, um, but I need to know because otherwise people will be compelled to hide that because we know how much people care about their pets. Um, So those administrative controls um, are the next level and I guess also included on that level is um, increasing your cleaning protocols and whatnot. And then finally, use of PPE. So, um, I guess that there are some benefits of being behind um, where you guys are at, which is that we're able to see the measures that you're putting in place, what's working, what's not working. Um, I'm, so, I'm interested to know if if anybody has had experience with the A and B team system, and I'm also interested to know: are you guys still in any way dealing with cash? Or are you doing EFTPOS mm. only? Mom, how are
0: you with that? Yeah, so I I love the idea of an A and B team. Um, that's I I will definitely pass that along to management because I think that's a very smart way to look at it. Because unfortunately, I almost feel like with because I'm and I'm in a similar situation where we probably have a hundred plus people in our building, um, and it's and I and I hate to say it, I think it's a matter of when and not if. Um, somebody's going to, yeah, somebody's (laughs) going to, somebody's going to be positive or have direct contact. So I think the A and B, I think that's awesome. Um, we are not accepting cash at this time. Um, we are using, um, uh, online payments. So we, um, we have care credit, which that may be just a United States thing. Um, and I think Scratch Pay, and and we're basically people are paying over the phone, um, or there there's a direct link that we're sending them that they can pay online. Um, that's new for us. We we didn't have that previously, um, just to prevent credit cards coming yeah. in. And we're definitely not accepting cash. Yeah.
2: Um, at I this can see- point either so. Yeah, I can say too with the uh, with the mm-hmm. A and B. Um, mm-hmm. I know our administration talked about it, um, and they also came up with a um, basically a minimum staff um, plan for uh, the ECC department. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the problem is is that we rely so heavily on third and fourth year students that are doing their clinical rotations as being part of that team, and all students have now transferred mm, yeah. to online only learning none of the students are in or in clinics at all we actually we actually do not have yeah. enough people on staff to to implement, That's our to implement that yeah. or to even to implement the minimum staffing protocol that they wanted to do we don't have enough paid staff to actually carry no. that out so yeah. we're just kind no, of so i've got a 10 person
1: general yeah. practice um, um,
2: clinic yeah yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: yeah.
1: That's
6: That's how my clinic is Um, too. That's why we're closed. There's uh, only five of us. So,
2: (laughs) Yeah. I will say um, a a good friend of mine is a veterinarian here in uh, Rhode Island. He was one of my wife's classmates (laughs) and he works GP and it's, uh, I think it's a a three doctor practice and uh, maybe 10 to 15 staff. And he told me this week that they have gone to the AB and actually they have a, a third team as well. Um, so he's he, him and his team, which is one receptionist and I think mm. one or two technicians, they have Tuesdays and Fridays. Mm. Uh, one other group has uh, Mondays and Thursdays, and then the last has Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, so far, he uh, says it's working out very well. Um, they do a lot of cleaning in between. Um, at the end of the night, the the outgoing team cleans. The first thing in the morning, the incoming team cleans. They do throughout the day, but um, for his clinic, which is again a, a little bit on the smaller side in general practice, um, he says it's working quite well, um, and definitely he. I, I specifically asked him; he said he would recommend it for for clinics that can adapt. Yeah,
0: I, it's interesting. Um, throughout the week, you know, because we are a larger practice, and before all this happened, we were expanding departments and hiring. And, um, I happened to just kind of listen to some of the management walking through. And one of the things they said is, Oh, we need to cancel our interviews. And I was like, I, I don't know. I said just food for thought. I mean, we're going to be having people going out. We already have people that are self quarantined because for whatever personal reasons, whether or not, you know, they're at higher risk or they live with someone who's higher risk or they have kids. So our staff is smaller. I I mean, I think we're going to have to think about um, alternate. This isn't going to be normal stuff, right? We're going to have to look at potentially having, you know, whether they're temporary employees or, you know, people that are just able to be on call to like fill space. And, And that may be from those general practices that are closed because they because of whatever reason that because i think that's going to happen um i like the i like the idea of, of i mean
3: recruiting i think
0: that's going to be one of the hard things with with smaller from other, from and other general practices that maybe shut down how do we ha- how do we handle that that
7: i mean that that gives us an opportunity to help help out a hospital that their staff is not be able yeah. to work mm-hmm. um, and also to, to help right. reinforce our staff that may not also yeah be
0: and I, and i think it's i mean mm-hmm. I, and I hate to. I hate to be the one to. I don't know. I. Th- I think we need to also have a conversation about. We keep talking about clients being the problem. Well, I work with people, and I know people go places. And this incubation is five to ten days. I mean, it's. It's. I think we need to be just as clean, cleaning up after having a conversation with a coworker. As we do our clients, I think that's something that I've, I've seen in my clinic that people are like, why, why do we have to do this? Well, be, because it's a people disease. It's like people have Parvo and ringworm right now. Just, just treat it like that, you know? Um, because you, and my thing, like we talk about it cause most of us are younger and, and fairly healthy, but I don't want to take it home to my parents or to my in-laws or to my grandparents or, you know, somebody who's immune compromised. And I think that is something that we need to keep in mind. Yes. Clients aren't coming in, but you never know if there's somebody that you're working with that potentially it was exposed. And we, we don't even have an idea. Like maybe it was when we were grocery shopping seven days ago when it was still okay to go grocery shopping.
6: Yeah. I mean, that's my concern. I'm not working now and I haven't been to work for two weeks. So I am quarantined. However, my husband works in a grocery store, like, and the grocery stores are crazy Mm -hmm. right now. Like, so if I get it, like it's likely going to be my husband bringing it home and then our whole family gets it. And
1: Mm -hmm.
6: it's just, I could be doing everything right. But unfortunately, like his work is a grocery store and they don't, they're not closing down. Like they're not. And unfortunately they're not really doing
1: anything to protect them either. Just touching on that, um, Jordan, and maybe then we can hear from um, Lewis and Robbie too about what their practices are doing. But I think that's a good time to talk about measures to protect Um, Mm -hmm. your own family, if you are still going out to work. so I'm in the same boat as you, my husband, will still be going into Mm -hmm. our practice for as long as he can. I've actually set up a little hand-washing station for him downstairs in our, it's the pool room, I have to admit it is a pool room. Um, And, you know, it's just... (laughs) And it's also got like a bucket down there for him to take his work clothes off and then carry them up in the bucket, put them in the washing machine. We're washing at 60 degrees. Um, Then he's going to get changed straight away before my kids can run up and and hug him So um, does anybody else have some good systems in place for that barrier nursing? I guess
3: My husband and I have done the same thing. Um, so my husband also works in a veterinary clinic Um, So both of us have instituted uh, basically treating the outside world like isolation and when we come home into Mm -hmm. the house we take off mm. our work clothes. We take off our shoes. I don't let my son Oliver uh, hug me or touch me until I go into the shower. I clean as much as possible. And then I'm like ready to get with the yeah. family and hang yeah. with the family. Yeah. Unfortunately, it takes that like step
6: out of like trying to unwind first. But yeah, I mean, like my husband does the same thing. He comes home, he undresses, like he changes <clears throat> he changes his clothes, washes his hands. Um, really tries to be better about washing his hands while he's at work and, and wearing gloves when he can and things like that. Um, but it's hard, that one little misstep of, like, grabbing a box of cereal and, like, replacing it on the shelf or something like that that someone's touched and then accidentally rubbing your face. Like, it's hard to catch every single little, like,
3: Well, I think that it, it, it speaks misstep. to kind of what, a, what we were saying before, that it really probably is not if we're going to get it, but when. And, uh, you know, if we can... You know, my yeah. husband and I, at least, and even my son, we've been taking our vitamins, eating fresh fruits and vegetables as much as possible, like doing everything to boost our immune yep. system, thinking that eventually we might get it, mm-hmm, and we're just mm-hmm. going to hope that our immune system is good enough to fight it off and not end up in the hospital. So. Um, oh. Yep. That's exactly what we're
6: doing too. My husband was like, dude, I drank like a half gallon of orange juice today. He's like, he was telling me, he's like, it blows my mind because like all the toilet paper and Lysol wipes and all that stuff are gone. But like the orange juice shelf is like full, like nobody's trying to booster their immune system, but like everybody's <laughs> just worried about like mm. their cereal and stuff like that. Pasta aisle has gone, but your orange juice is still there.
4: <laughs> wow. So, so we got none of that over here really. I mean, um, you know, so I don't know if that's coming. Certainly, we can't get masks now anymore, just for dent- for dentals. But you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing dentals. I-, I don't really know. It's so unknown.
3: Yeah, our practice has stopped doing uh, dental cleanings. We will do a dentistry if it is like a trauma. You know, if like a jaw needs to be rewired or a tooth is broken, it's bleeding, it's yeah. preventing the animal from eating. But um, dental cleanings or kind of that kind of stuff, we've canceled and put off.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think. Um- do Robbie, do you and Lewis want to talk about some of the stuff you guys are doing? Otherwise, we can jump into maybe how we can uh, as a community take care of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I,
5: yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it brief because I don't think what we're so. I, I'm a um a boss. Uh, there's a chance that my internet might drop out as well. So if it does, then Lewis just jump in and talk. <laughs> Happens. I shut up, and then Lewis starts talking. Um, Clinic in Melbourne. uh, We've been trying to do what we can to try and mitigate the risk. Because the reality is, we don't know is something going to work until we see that it's not going to work. We're trying to reduce our contacts with owners. We're trying to um, do what we can over the phone. Yeah, and
4: I mean we're still seeing people here. I don't know that. Certainly, I'm in Melbourne, which is uh, south, uh, southern Australia, southeastern Australia, um, and you know, I, I'm still getting people sort of coming into consults and I chat to them and, you know, one example is a lady <laughs> came in and, um, and, you know, a dog a dog had been itching or was scra- it was itching or whatever. And I said, oh, you know, what are you up to today kind of thing. She said, oh, I've been sent home from, uh, I'm a childcare worker. I've been sent home from work this week because I'm sick. Um uh, a- and mm-hmm. i was like oh okay so yeah sure right, so how long has your dog been itching? oh three months i just didn't had time to bring it to the vet <laughs> now i've got some time you know? mm-hmm.
1: incredible
4: Yeah, you know, it's like wow
1: yeah i think australian practices need to jump on that and there's a huge difference um between what people are doing and what people are not doing and for us, it meant buying a new after-hours phone because we just had a dodgy old one that didn't have um, video capability and not that you even need video for everyone, but we just went out and got a new after-hours phone with um, video capability and we put WhatsApp on it and Skype on it and we had just saying to every client that rings, would you like to be at home or would you like to be in your car and would you like to be in communication with the vet or um, during the examination or just after or just before <laughs> or all of the above via phone call, Skype video call or WhatsApp video call um, and, you know, clearing the waiting room, um, just asking everybody that comes in to stand 1.5 to 2 metres back from the reception desk, um, just sort of doing doing what we can. So, And if anybody does insist on coming into the consult room at this time, we're saying one person only um, because one of our vets sort of um, after I've been... On, on video to the team on Monday morning saying, This is what we're doing. Okay. She's saying, Oh, the first console I went into was like three adults, or two adults and a child and an animal in this tiny little shoebox room where we're a similar sort of size practice, where three <laughs> vets um, in a small building that um, is not a purpose built facility at all. So I think um, just on social media, a lot of nurses are saying, What are you doing? We're doing this. And some are like, Oh my God, we're just business as usual. So I think if you're at a clinic that is business as usual, it's time to speak up um, and say, what are we doing? If you don't have um, a response plan, feel free to jump on my website too and um, just write in the contact box that you want a copy of a plan and I'm happy to send you mine if you don't have time to listen to the Uncharted episode. Yeah, Kat,
0: that's an awesome resource actually because I know I know you spend a lot of time working on that. So um, we'll we'll put a link, um, we'll get a link in that for show notes for everybody too. So they can contact you with it, which is awesome. Um, yeah,
6: I think it's kind of mind blowing right now. If some practices haven't changed protocol yet, just because of how fast everything's moving that I do think steps need to be made kind of as quickly as possible. Now, just again, like the thing it's so, it's so fast, like everything's happening so fast that you don't Yeah. It's kind of blown my mind that if people aren't really taking this seriously and I'll admit at first, I don't think I was taking it seriously. I just happened to be off work at the time. And now that I see it kind of from the outside and and see what's going on, it's a little bit more real. And now, especially because there's more in my city, there's more positive cases in my city that I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. This is, this is the thing. This is real. (laughs) So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We are at, at the university. Um, You know, we, we have, gone to reusing masks and and different things and um i mean we've actually i've been getting emails about that for probably two weeks now i think
4: um yeah like uh, i think like as vets and vet techs and nurses um that we are i think like to pride ourselves that we've already got some really good hygiene stuff in place given what we deal with on a daily (laughs) basis you know there's nothing like Going to eat your sandwich and realizing your fingers smell like anal glands or something similar, and so we're we we are pretty hopefully no, but obviously we're, we are ramping it up. I yeah. guess a question without notice, maybe for you guys over in the states, <laughs> have do you know of yeah. any vets or vet techs or vet nurses or anyone who has tested positive from you know it hasn't been overseas? You know hasn't, has not has has potentially caught it from their home environment or home when I say home, I mean their work or, or, you know, do, do you guys know of anyone that that's, uh, that's been a case of human to human transmission in, in your environment over there?
0: I think, um, I think one thing that we can really help with too is this isn't going away. (laughs) Um, I think we're Still in the very very beginning, like I like I was just talking to my husband and I said, you know, I don't personally know anyone that's tested positive yet, and I know a lot of people, so um, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. Uh, and so I guess you know for us because we are considered essential, you know, businesses. How are we going to make sure <laughs> the stressful job that we already have? Um, doesn't burn us out doesn't make our immune systems tank because we need mm-hmm. to keep that up so um i know we talked about vitamins and orange juice <laughs> so what are some other things yeah, you guys um definitely. what are some other things you guys could suggest for you know techs and vets out there both um make sure you know we're in this for the long term
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I
0: know even not being at work right now where
6: it potentially could be even more stressful. I've been stressed (laughs) at home um, just due to trying to homeschool my kids who are now home and also trying to worry about my husband who's out in the grocery store who is very likely to come across it. Um, We've been trying to do a lot of things to de stress a little bit. So we go on bike rides outside, um, staying away from people, obviously, and then just trying to do kind of outdoor in our backyard, like exercising just to keep us going, not being fat and lazy, chilling on the couch, watching Netflix all day. Um, We do try to get outside, get in the fresh air. We're taking our vitamins every day. We're making smoothies every day and we're still exercising. (laughs) And that way it de-stresses me because I do enjoy exercising, but then it's also getting my children like out (laughs) of fighting with each other as well as like out in some fresh air and, and gives me time too while they're outside to clean down the house. Like, (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> well, and I also think that staying off of social media is a, a, a big <laughs> yeah. important thing because, you know, the the time off, what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to sit and scroll through Facebook and scroll through Twitter and scroll through all these things and just reading over this information that may not be right, maybe old. Um, and, you know, you go to work and what do we what do we talk about at work right now? We talk about coronavirus and then you go home and then you scroll through Facebook. And what are you reading? Coronavirus. Get away from it. Find find a different hobby. Find you said find some way to exercise find some way to get outside be away from people but but get away from the the corona information just for i mean yeah. half a day or a day just to get away from it because that i mean we're yeah. if we're talking about trying to reduce stress all these things i'm reading about it is just it's just super stressful and sometimes i just have to shut it off
2: i think i think too in, in terms of of staffing a clinic if you If you work at a clinic that has in any way reduced your caseload and the number of people coming in, if you can figure out a way to make the schedule, whether it's an A and a B and or a C type thing, um, or first shift and second shift or whatever it may be. Um, but so often it ends up being an all hands on deck and we're all there all day, several days in a row, instead of actually when we maybe step back and look at it, we probably could be off for a day or two in between, you know, especially if you're able to do one of those A group, B group, C group, or or however you want to call them um, and have a couple days off in between that you can do those things like Jordan was saying and actually get away from it for a day or two instead of, um, you know, like I, I know where I'm at now. I think, you know, people are just working days and days on end because that's the situation that we are in mm-hmm. um so if you if you are you know in that kind of a situation where you are in a clinic that you can do that it, i definitely think it was it would be worth looking at get your people some time outside of the clinic to you know do whatever you know Activities they like that they can do kind of individually or or as you know a family or Mm -hmm. husband and wife or whatever it may be, but
3: yeah, I think it's also important for people to maybe not put so much stress on themselves, um, especially like the ones that are stuck at home to get everything done. Just because you're stuck at home doesn't mean you have to like write the next great American novel or rewrite the AHA guidelines. Mm -hmm. Like for you know what I mean, you don't have to take on a huge project that could be kind of stressful in itself. Um, When I know, like uh, when we touched on the Headspace app and the mindfulness stuff, um, I'm a big believer in that and I have really started, um, I'm a cheapskate you guys, I'm uh, a veterinary technician so I don't have a lot of paid stuff, all the free stuff is where I go. happen to have a subscription to Spotify uh, and Spotify has a ton of great guided meditations on there that you can download and listen to Um, I listened to a bunch of them just recently like you know de-stressing and how to calm your mind and how to well culture anxiety etc but Mm. I think for people who are going out to, into the clinic and you know, our inclination is we want to help all these animals, right? We want to help and and if our ER is busy, then yeah, we're going to pick up that 12 hour shift and yeah, we might sign mm-hmm. up for extra shifts because we want to help out our other uh, co-worker who might not be able to come in and we don't want to let our team down. Um, self-care is going to be so important in this time. Like so important, you don't have to work every single shift, take some time for yourself and make sure you take care of yourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it's important too, for other staff members to speak up. Like if you
6: feel uncomfortable about how your clinic is handling the situation, um, or how they're not handling the situation, speak up or speak up and say, look, I feel like I need a day off. Like I've been around these people every day for the past 10 days. Like I need, I need to take some me time and really focus on cleaning my house and, and focus on my life versus, um, just focusing on working and treating these animals. Yes, the animals are important to all of us. That's why we do this, but not if it hurts us in the end. So.
1: I keep telling my team that this is probably going to be a marathon and not a sprint. I mean, the world's going to look like a very different place mm-hmm. for at least six months. Mm-hmm. And uh, on my show, I, know, I always ask guests on what do they do yeah. to help with the, the stresses of our industry, let alone when we're adding all these additional factors. So I've really thought about this, and on my list is definitely exercise. We know that exercise and mindfulness are really essential to stress. As far as mindfulness is concerned, I've got an app called Calm or there's the Headspace app. They're both paid. um, But also there's a, um, if you Google ABC and Mindfully, there's a free app at the moment that's offering free mindfulness um, that's specifically aimed at people who are stressed about COVID-19. So make sure you make them time for mindfulness. Laughter, I think that that's really important. If if you're anything like me, you can guarantee some good laughs by going to Celeste Barber's Instagram page, turn the sound on, and watch all of that content. If you're anything like me, you'll laugh hysterically. Tuning out, and that's about getting off social media. So, I mean, do something that's so, just does not feed your brain with any information. Start at season one of New New York and watch every damn season, you know, just a little bit every night. Work your way through. And I want to talk too about that financial insecurity. As a business owner, um, I, I can sort of see it from both sides, but what I want to tell people is, Start to think creatively about ways that you can put to your boss that you can do some work from home if you do need a little bit more financial security. So if, if, if you work for a business that, that is like mine, you have got a folder on your um, on, on your computer that is just full of half-drafted mm. protocols. Um, so, you know, you can say, look, how about I take home a hard drive or a USB with 20 protocols and we allocate me a budget of this many hours to edit these and I mean sure businesses are going to be concerned themselves about um, staying solvent and staying in business but we're also looking for ways to support in- employees so start looking around at things you can do if your business needs a new website overhaul and you're good at that or if you're good at photography and there's no one in the building guess what you can go and take some photos. So your boss probably doesn't have a huge budget for these things, but they might be just looking for ways to say yes and ways to help that is mutually beneficial. So start thinking about what does it look like to work from home for us? It might be that time to just start. Oh yeah. Like it, it's, thinking of.
6: Yeah. It's, it's definitely heavy on the mental load trying to figure out like if what you're doing is right or if you're overreacting versus like, if are you, are you spending enough of your energy and time focusing on your home or not? Um, and things like that. I mean, I, I battle with it when I try to take my kids outside. I'm like, is this the right thing? It has to be the right thing. We're outside. We're not near people, but I'm also not working. So I'm stressed about that. But if I were working, I'd be stressing there too. So yeah, it's kind of that fine balance of trying to figure out when to turn it off
3: and how (laughs) to turn
6: it off.
4: And maybe another question I've got, I seem to be firing off the questions to you guys, but uh, there's a little bit going on the social media. I think, uh, I don't know if it was um, was Jeff mentioned that your ventilator has been taken by uh, the medical department or one of the uh, doctors or something. Um, is there is there any call out there, you know, doctors might be starting to be in short supply, I don't know, maybe it's something I saw from Italy, um, but is there any call for any vets or vet nurses yeah. to become involved in the medical aspect of um, some patient monitoring or is that just uh, not in the US at all?
7: I, I have it pulled up right now. I got an email from VEX, the Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Society, uh, and the title of the email was COVID-19 uh, resources. And on that, they have a document um, where it's asking for life support ventilators located at mm-hmm. US, hosp- U.S. veterinary hospitals. Uh, and there's like, how many is there? It's like 165 hospitals have responded with how many um, ventilators that they have. Um, and they also have a form for you to fill out. So if you have ventilators that you're available to mm-hmm. um, supply, to fill, it, it's like, uh, what is this, a Google form um, for you to fill out to, to say where your facility is, um, how many ventilators you have, what your availability is. Uh, and there's also one for this, the the constant renal, re- CRRT, what is that? Constant Thanks. Yeah. So, so they have the option for you to, to say how many of those you have available as well.
0: Uh, I think there was a, um, a post on Facebook that was just getting an idea of how many ventilators, um, just in case there was, mm-hmm. and I, and I did not check into it cause I was like, Oh heck no. <laughs> um, I did see a post that supposedly came from, Um, a a county, like a Mm. sheriff's county, looking for any kind of medical professional, whether that was a dentist, a veterinarian or anything else um, to potentially assist with things. And I was like, humans are gross. So um, I didn't look further into it.
6: unfortunately. And then I know we were going to touch a little bit. I know we (laughs) you posted something on Facebook about what people wanted to hear from this episode. And I know a lot of people were asking about cleaning cleaning protocols and things like that in the clinic. So aside from just like isolating and staying a couple feet back, I know, I believe it was the AVMA that had a link on like all the cleaning products that were useful in the clinic to combat COVID-19. So I saw that page there. I mean, it was like, tons of different cleaning products. So I'm certain that most clinics probably have something.
0: Yeah. I was going to say from what we researched this week, um, (laughs) at my clinic, uh, it's not, thankfully it's not hardy right now. (laughs) Um, it is a fairly easy virus to kill. So like our standard cleaning supplies, I, I, believe we're all we're working. Um, we have like The Lysol or Clorox, you know, disinfecting wipes that we use on things that you know you have to be gentle with. Um, We have Sniper in our clinic, which is a specific just spray, you know, disinfectant. Um, But um, I know for us, um, when we did have clients in the in the mm, building, we um, we would disinfect the room. before clients came in, so that included door handles, light switches, um, the chairs, which is weird because the first couple of days I was doing it, it felt backwards (laughs) because I'm used to getting the floor and everywhere a nose would touch, but um, (laughs) I had to rethink that and be like, where do people touch? Mm -hmm. Um, And that included like the phones and keyboards because again- it's not just the clients, but it's also me and my coworkers that are touching things. Um, So, you know, we, we had to kind of like rethink that. And it was all about contact time as well. Like remember to look at whatever cleaning product you're using to look at the contact time that it recommends because you don't want to just spray things and then just, you know, walk Mm -hmm. right in. Um, So we had, we made um, little signs (laughs) that um, we wrote on with the time that we you know, finish disinfecting a room or wherever it was so that we knew what the contact time was. Um, we were wearing gloves just <laughs> just to help kind of protect our hands because in theory you should be wearing PPE <laughs> when you're using all these disinfectants. Um, I also bought um, gloves in a bottle lotion, hand lotion, because... Last Saturday from all my hand washing, Mm. because I normally wash my hands a lot, but it was more so. Um, I actually had, like, cracked and bleeding hands, so I got lotion, and I apply that liberally throughout the day. Um, When you're spraying things, just, it's a good idea to wear some sort of a mask. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be an N95. It doesn't have to be a surgical mask, even if you're just like pulling your scrubs over your face. So you're not inhaling all those disinfectants that are aerosolized is a good idea. Um, because the beginning of the week I wasn't doing that and my nostrils (laughs) and my chest just was mad. And I said, there's, there's no way there's any bacteria there. Um, so, you know, just, and, and cleaning your hands a lot. Um, that was the big thing that we implemented this this week was stay kind of in your area. Try not to touch everybody else's stuff. Clean your hands, you know, disinfect things as you go. So that's kind of where where our disinfectant protocol came
6: from. Yeah, unfortunately, I think this thing should... You said something, Yvonne, about a client coming in after they knew they were positive into one of your practices. Like, it should just be common courtesy. If you're sick, stay home. People used to say that all the time. My boss tells me that all the time. But now it's like, legit, we're under extreme stress right now. Um, Should be common courtesy if you think you're exhibiting symptoms to just stay home and then figure it out. But unfortunately, there is that five to 10 day incubation period of not really knowing Um, So I do understand that side of it, but yeah, unfortunately, I'm certain that there's those people wandering around who have it and think that they have it or know that they have it still exposing other people. And unfortunately that's just the world.
0: All right. Well, you guys, I, I know this isn't everything and anything COVID, but um, we hope this um, starts a dialogue in your, in your practices. Um, Please reach out to us. We'll, we'll make sure to get the links for everyone. Um and uh I I thank you everyone for joining us. I can't believe we got this many people right? all in one show, which is really cool. Um so from internal medicine for vet techs, um I'm Yvonne Brandenburg and my co-host Jordan Porter. We're going to say goodbye. So, talk to you later.
1: I'm going to jump in next uh, Kat from Radio Vet Nurse I just want to thank um, Yvonne for making this happen and I just want to say to all of the Radio Vet Nurse listeners and all of the other podcast show listeners, really look after yourselves at this time and um, we need to use technology in this time of isolation to stay connected so really um, rely on all of the groups that you're part of and podcasts that you're listening to and um, look after each other
3: And thanks for having us Anesthesia Nerds on. Everybody stay safe and wash your hands.
4: Uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, Dr. Lewis Kirkham and my mate, Dr. Robbie Anderton, whose internet has finally given up uh, from two vets talk pets down in Australia. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for organizing this. Just a fantastic thing. Look after yourself, guys. Scratch you later.
2: And for... um for Vet Tech Cafe, uh, I'm Jeff Backus, um, and uh, Dave Cowan is here as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, F- yeah, for having this discussion. Uh, take care of yourselves. Um, keep the discussion going on probably all of our pages. We'd love to hear what you guys are doing. Um, certainly, if 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 you become affected or hopefully not, but possibly infected, especially in a clinic environment like let's talk about this because that's how we're going to learn how to fix it. Um, And so uh, let's just keep it going, but stay safe out there. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks everybody. All right. Sounds
6: good. So I think that's a wrap for this episode and I do appreciate everybody joining us. It was fantastic. Um, And just
0: keep on listening. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.